When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Can You Dig It podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. Joining me today, a special guest, uh, host of the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, as well as the Grits and Grinds podcast for the Grizzlies, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Keith Parrish. Keith how are you uh, handling getting through these uh, dog days of summer? Uh, I love it. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I do. I mean, I miss basketball. Let's be real. But I like being able to watch basketball clips. I like being able to dial up game one of the regular season on League Pass <laughs> at my time. Like I don't have to be in front of the TV every night, sort of thing. Which again, I love. I'm obsessed with it. That's why I got into podcasting and stuff. But. I would be lying if I if I didn't say I wasn't enjoying the opportunity uh, just to watch 15 year old HBO shows or whatever I want. <laughs> uh, I'm watching like all these 1970s movies. Uh, no, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the offseason. How about you? Yeah, I use this time to come almost completely basketball detox. So it's a lot of uh, Hulu shows, a lot yeah. of Netflix shows, the the Manti Teo documentary. I yeah. watched that. It's a lot of that. So uh, but. The schedule release is typically around the time where I start start getting that itch, start thinking about uh, the next season. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, kind of related to that. Obviously, amidst everything that happened last Wednesday, which uh, huge shout out to Clutch Sports for the greatest attempt at upstaging news ever, uh, literally minutes before uh, the schedule is supposed to be released. Uh, LeBron James announces his contract extension, uh, and because of that, because of the schedule being released, um, literally, Woj's tweet was at 2.57, three yeah. minutes before the the schedule comes out. Uh, because of that, because of just the general schedule coming out, it kind of went a little bit under the radar that, that Pau Gasol is going to have his jersey retired, and that's why I wanted to have you on and it's it's a game that's going to come against the Grizzlies. So I'll just kind of start. I mean, what was your reaction to, to hearing he's getting his jersey retired and, and against the Grizzlies specifically? Because sometimes, depending on kind of how they they left the team, that could be a uh, not great relationship. So I guess what's just kind of your thoughts on that? My initial reaction when I heard his jersey was getting retired, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I don't know. know. I know, obviously, you know, he wins the titles on the Lakers. He played seven seasons on the Lakers. Is there a hierarchy of, like, who are the most, or, like, is he in the argument for least important retired Lakers jersey? Because it seems like he would have to be, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, probably. I, I can no, say, yeah, I, you're I, right. I you, wait, you guys haven't retired Mikan's jersey or something, right? Because yeah, that, that's you a guys bad blame one. the titles. You're like, oh, yeah. we've won all these titles. But the hands-down best player in the league, if we wouldn't even call it the league, uh, the NBA claims those early days. Apparently, we had 75 seasons. I know the true historians say there's only been 72 seasons of the NBA. <laughs> but so if Mikan doesn't have his jersey retired, I- I'm mildly surprised that like we are retiring Pau Gasol's jersey. I don't know if your view is similar. My view is like if the Lakers were better, like if the Lakers had won the title last year, if the Lakers were coming off a conference finals run, 
I don't think they do this. This this smells a little bit like marketing to me, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, Powell's really good. Powell's going to make the yeah. Hall of Fame. Fantastic player for an incredibly long amount of time. Um, but I was just like, all right, this is a marquee franchise, the Lakers. We're talking Kareem. We're talking Magic and you know Kobe and all this. And it's like uh, Jerry West and uh, Pau Gasol. All right. He's one, he's one of the lesser. He's not like a, a surefire, oh, we have to retire this. So I, I guess I was a little bit surprised. But then, again, maybe that's colored by my uh, complicated history as a Grizzlies fan. Yeah, I was trying to look. Uh, he's in the running with uh, potentially Gail Goodrich and uh jamal wilkes as the mm. the worst lakers retired jerseys um he has more champions than both those uh both those guys which is kind of the uh the the biggest thing on his resume for why he uh will be having his jersey retired it wasn't necessarily a surprise the lakers fans because when he retired last year genie bus just outright tweeted that he's oh, going to have yeah. his jersey retired sure, but um still i mean statistically it's interesting because not eye-popping numbers it's it's he'll be a hall of famer but uh it's not numbers you look at and think oh yeah his jersey has to be retired right away so uh, it is a little interesting but it, it, it's a lot of kind of the context around it of him coming in and immediately lifting the lakers to title contenders and then kind of keeping them at that level for so long. So uh, I, I don't think anybody was surprised, uh, but I mean, it is interesting that it, it's coming against Memphis. I mean, how is Powell viewed by Grizzlies fans? Well, so it's been a long time. I'm not yeah. saying people have held a grudge. <laughs> it's been 15 <laughs> years since he was on the Grizzlies. Most like, most job rant fans, not quite sure who Pau Gasol is. <laughs> uh, but like the longtime Grizzlies fans, like we love Pau Gasol. He brought the Grizzlies into respectability. It, the first mm-hmm. ever Grizzlies team that, w- that were any good, it was all Pau Gasol. He won Rookie of the Year on the Grizzlies. They had their first 50 win season with Pau Gasol. So like he was hugely popular because this is a team that, you know, never won anything in Vancouver. And then when they came to Memphis, they were still very terrible. And then like, you could see it immediately. Like this guy's pretty good and they kept growing and growing and getting better. It was improvements. I want to say like each of his first five seasons, they just kept getting better. And then he, he makes the all-star game. He's the first ever all-star from the Grizzlies. So like everyone, you know, you, you love him at that point, but then it's kind of like, uh, there was a limit. It seemed like they, the Grizzlies got swept each time they made the playoffs. They did not win a single playoff game, not series. Didn't win a single <laughs> playoff game with Paul Gasol and like people don't hold him personally responsible. Some of it was the NBA's idiotic scheduling of the seeds where like there was one year the Grizzlies were like the fourth best team, but they had to play the second best team, the Mavericks because the winner of the Pacific division got the higher seed. And it was like, this stinks. We were actually pretty good this year and we (laughs) had to play Dirk Nowitzki and like some 58 win Mavs team. I might be fudging those numbers. I don't remember, but like, you know, and so it, for whatever reason, they never won a playoff game with Pau Gasol. And then there were the rumors. This again, based on my memory, um, this is before I was podcasting. I was watching the NBA back then. I had League Pass, but to give the listener like a little, I don't know, refresher, like League Pass in 2007, it wasn't online. You couldn't go back and on demand mm-hmm. watch stuff. You sat down, you watch basketball games. And so like I was watching the league. I was a big Grizzlies fan. Um, my impression that final season was like Pau was a little bit done. 
And like there were the rumors that he wanted to get traded and was probably going to get traded. And it was like, this guy's not trying that hard anymore. And again, this is just my impression. And this is like me revisiting my impressions. Maybe that wasn't the case. But then, of course, when he got traded to the Lakers, um, I really dislike the Lakers. Like I've basically always <laughs> been an anti-Lakers guy. I mean, I, I, my earliest basketball memories, I was cheering for the Pistons. Like I, I like the bad boys Pistons. <laughs> so I was always cheering against the Lakers. Um, and then like, I mean, there was, there was, a, there was a brief window. I know I'm on a Lakers pod. There was a brief window when you guys were undeniably cool when you had Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones and like, oh, yeah. and so like, like that was awesome. Okay. Uh, all the NBA fans like that, but then you get Shaq and Kobe, you become a, another dynasty and you're like, eh, you know, I'm cheering against the big guys. And so, um, so I never really liked the Lakers. So the idea that the Grizzlies then seemingly gift wrapped Pal Gasol to the Lakers, where like we as a league and we as Lakers haters and everybody else, we'd endured the Shaq Kobe run. Like it was over mm -hmm. and like the Lakers weren't any good. And like, it felt like Kobe was just destroying his team. And we're like, all right, you know, like, like the Lakers runs over and then you give them this perfect compliment and they already <laughs> had, um, I don't remember the exact chronology, but like, you know, once you get, you have Bynum and you have Odom and then like our test yep. is there and this team becomes amazing again, obviously wins titles again. And it was like, all right, so we sent this perfect piece to the Lakers. We did it before the trade deadline. We did it when no one knew it was coming. Like uh, Greg Popovich famously was like, this is garbage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, why didn't they take a better package? The return for Powell was very underwhelming. In the moment, no one thought it was a good yeah. package. Yeah. Retroactively, everyone's, we've, we've retconned it to be like, hey, that was a trade for Marcus Gasol, and it worked out great. Like nobody, nobody, like Marcus Gasol was not in, in the top line of the press release, guys. It was like, Javaris Crittenden, two first round picks or, or whatever it was. And it was, it was the worst return. It made the entire league angry. Like Bill Simmons lost his mind back when he was an actual, <laughs> like a, a big important columnist that like, that's who me and all my friends we read back then. And it was like, everyone was outraged across the entire NBA that the Grizzlies had given Pal Gasol to the Lakers. And again, as, as a Grizzlies fan, we weren't, I wasn't upset that Pal Gasol got traded. I was ready for Pal Gasol to get traded. Like I was like, yeah. all right, you know, like this guy wants to go. That's fine. We, we had, uh, I, we tasted a little bit of success, but we're happy he goes. And then of course, I guess me personally, I think other Grizzlies fans had this resentment when the Lakers became awesome. Just like, Oh, now he's hustling. You know, or whatever. <laughs> or like now he's playing really hard. And so like, that's, I get a, that's a lot of me talking from like my headspace, my time frame, my memory of the Palgasol deal and how it's a complicated thing where you're like, yeah, I love the guy. And then it was like, all right, he's done here. Um, and then everyone's like, oh, he's, now he's making all-star games because he's on a big market team and he's winning. Like, he made some, when he went to the Bulls, he made, like, all-star games because he was yeah. on a big market team. And it was like, this guy's not even that good anymore. Yeah. Like, it, staying in Memphis his whole career, he, he's not making the Hall of Fame. Like, it, it was just one of those, then, maybe then I, I fell into my uh, small market brain where I'm like, how does everyone not see that, like, you just go to a big stage, you, you, you get more exposure, you, you get you get more All-Star games, you get more, uh, like, then you get considered for the Hall of Fame. So it is a complicated history, and um, it is obviously interesting that they put the Hall of Fame or the uh, the Jersey retirement against the Grizzlies because, you know, you either remember him a, a, as a Laker or a Grizzly, and mm -hmm. um, Grizzlies fans now at this point, like, I don't think anyone's mad. You know, I'm not still mad about it. Uh, it's just like trying to remember how I felt. It was like, yeah, happy, happy for him to get traded and then outraged uh, when the trade actually went down. I brought up 
Popovich's quote on this because I oh, did oh. not remember it. Uh, quote, what they did in Memphis is beyond comprehension. Uh, <laughs> there should be a trade committee that can scratch all trades that make no sense. I just wish I had been on a trade committee that oversees NBA trades. I'd elect myself to that committee. I would have voted no to the L.A. trade. It was everyone made the fantasy basketball or football comparison. If this happened in your fantasy league, <laughs> I, I know technically you shouldn't veto trades in your fantasy leagues, but like people would have lost their minds. We're like, what are you getting back? Like, like, like you got Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenden, uh, and then the 08 and 2010 draft picks. But of course the Lakers were going to be awesome. It was yeah. like, you know, if you were doing, if if we had podcasts back then, we'd be coming up with all these trade packages. Like, what can we get for Mark Gasol? I mean, what, what can we get for Pal Gasol? And you'd, I don't know, you'd be like, hopefully we get a, we get an all-star here, an all-star there, like a, a young all-star maybe. Um, Like, the players who came back were not good, and no one thought they were going to be good. And then it was like, all right, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to consider what a, a similar trade would be. It would be like, what if Jaron Jackson Jr. in five years is tired of being on the Grizzlies? And then you trade him to the Bucks for like their their second round, you know, their their first round picks. Like, oh, these these are gonna be the back five picks of the first round. And it's like, what are we do, what are we doing? So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you pulled out that Popovich quote. The uh, and Marcus All wasn't even like an an important piece to that trade necessarily. Well, so, it was it was the salary cap relief, and Javaris yeah. Crittenden was like this this high highly rated prospect back then. Yeah. So like the Marcus All angle of it is obviously he, he would on to become incredible and there are still debates and maybe you want to get into it like there are debates of who's better of who was better yeah. at, at their peak among Grizzlies fans general NBA I think most people assume just Powell was better like at his peak but um when Marcus all played the next season because because he, he was uh, they, they had their draft the draft rights and then he came over the next season maybe it was just scorned being a scorned fan of when your Powell Gasol left when Mar when Marcus all was a rookie He's he's a different player. He's a bruiser. He was a bigger guy. Mm -hmm. He was more defense and rebounding. And like, I remember my my first impressions of Mark Gasol. I was like, oh, this is the kind of guy I like. Like it was an <laughs> initial. And again, I, I can I can clearly see how I was probably just upset and scorned. But like, Mark Gasol wasn't losing rebounds in traffic. Mark Gasol didn't look like he was just trying to tip the ball to himself and didn't want the contact. He was like, no, no, no. I'm shouldering this guy out of the way. This is my rebound. And I, like my first impressions of Mark Gasol was like, oh, this, this guy's tough. I like him. And so maybe that was just the healing process for all Grizzlies fans where immediately we latched on to like, hey, that Mark Gasol, he plays the right way. Uh, and maybe that, again, just a little, a little bitterness towards pal. I mean, I don't know if there's a, a straightforward answer necessarily based on how kind of complicated the feelings are towards Powell. Was there anger at, at him when he left? Was it, were you happy to see him go to a team? To, well, maybe not the Lakers, but a, Lakers. happy, yeah, happy to him kind of find success or, cause I know like if you kind of put it to, to modern, the modern era, when a player like leaves the small market franchise, the small market fans typically have anger towards them. I don't think Powell necessarily demanded a trade or anything, but was there that anger there when he left? I think there, there was a mixture of, like I was saying, there's a mixture of some outrage with the actual trade and the return. And then there's the frustration like that. He, I, I remember frustration that he ended up winning, winning the title immediately after. And it was just like, well, obviously like that's what everyone said was going to happen. <laughs> like, what were you, what were you thinking? Why didn't you get more back on a personal level? You know, I'm happy for pal. Like, uh, you know, again, yeah. I, I, I have no, um, I have no, 
I, I realize hearing myself, it sounds like maybe I haven't uh, talked to the therapist enough about this situation. <laughs> but like, I have, I have no resentment towards the guy. I'm really happy the way his career's gone, the way he's he got those titles. But it's it's very different than the Mark Gasol situation, where Mark Gasol, when he got traded to the Raptors, everyone, almost everyone, the large majority of Grizzlies fans were cheering for the Raptors that season. Were ecstatic yeah. that he ended up getting the title on the Raptors. Of course, then it was like, hey. Uh, the average the average team wins an NBA title 300 days after trading for a Gasol, uh, and then it was like, why <laughs> does 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 Chris Wallace get credit for uh, building two two title two title teams uh, not in Memphis? Um, but uh, yeah, th- I don't I don't think anyone's still mad, um, but I do think that there was just like a feeling of all right, he didn't want to be here. That's cool, and then mixed into that is the oh man, like you 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 built a super team uh, for the Lakers of, of all franchises. So when Powell left, just according to Wikipedia, he was the he held 12 franchise records. Uh, obviously, a bunch of those have been kind of surpassed in the grit and grind era. Uh, a lot of those guys are on those uh, lists now. But I mean, is there any chance his jersey is going to be retired by the Grizzlies one day? I wouldn't say there's no chance, but I think right now. Um, so right now that they've announced that. The, the Grizzlies have retired Zach Randolph's jersey. They were supposed to have retired Tony Allen's jersey, but he got in hot water with the federal government um, legally, and uh, that's on that's on hold. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then Mark Gasol and then uh, uh, Mark Gasol's jersey is going to be retired, and they said Mike Conley's jersey is going to be retired. Um, I don't I I don't think they were they're going to retire Pal Gasol's jersey. I don't think there's a big push for it. I think yep. he, he still has a lot of he still has a lot of fans, but also I think sprinkled into that is the fact that the Grizzlies are exciting and really really good, and they don't need this extra marketing thing <laughs> like to sell tickets. Like I I think that might honestly be an aspect of it. Like yeah. if the Grizzlies weren't so popular and selling all their season tickets out, yeah, then you're like, all right, uh, guys, it might be time to to dip into the nostalgia bag, and it's time to honor Pau Gasol, um, but. Because like that's not a focus of the team. Like I don't, I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, like do, will they present him some gift or something at the retirement thing, like from the Grizzlies organization? You know, maybe, but I don't think there's a strong push. Uh, and so I, I'd be a little bit surprised if his jersey got retired. I mean, it's not like totally retired. I want to say to- Tony Douglas wore it. Number sixteen on the Grizzlies, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think anyone's worn it since then. I, I'm I'm gonna look that up actually. Yeah, well, I was gonna say uh, save it for uh, the the next downward cycle. Uh, right, dip right. into the nostalgia <laughs> bag then, because yeah, the Lakers did that a lot when they were uh, when they struggled. The Shaq and Kobe both had their jerseys retired as they were uh, in the rebuilding year. So yeah, you can dip into that nostalgia bag really easily uh with yeah so with Powell uh, down the road so Powell and tony douglas the only <laughs> people to ever wear number 16 for the memphis grizzlies so maybe, maybe it's a soft retirement you know maybe they maybe they they tell people hey let's don't, don't you 16 that's like uh i can't remember who it was but the year after durant left the thunder when <laughs> immediately somebody took his jersey just to uh I had to, to prove that yeah, it wasn't yeah. retired or whatever like that. Right. Uh, Tony Not Douglas. Sacred. 
yeah, Tony Douglas <laughs> jumping in there, making sure everyone knows it's not sacred at uh That's right. <laughs> in Memphis. Uh so yeah, it's gonna be a an interesting uh night just having the Grizzlies involved with it. It should be a fun night for Lakers fans at least, and and hopefully a fun night looking back on on the, the better parts of the Pals tenure with with the Grizzlies. I want to fast forward to more present day stuff because the Lakers and Grizzlies have been uh, tied together in various ways over the last couple seasons. So we'll dive into that here in just a minute. So a little over almost exactly a year ago, uh, Harrison Fagan, our former site manager, put it very eloquently uh, that the Grizzlies have become the Lakers feeder team. Maybe not quite uh, fair necessarily, but there were a lot of ties to uh, between the Grizzlies and Lakers. Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, Dion Waiters all <clears throat> came directly from the Grizzlies to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, uh, to uh, to win titles. Dion Waiters, yeah, uh, he didn't the, well, he didn't I mean, play Grizzlies much play- of a role. The Grizzlies paid his salary for half a season. That was one of the the dead money they brought in in the Justice Winslow experiment. One of the few things that's backfired for the Grizzlies over the past few years. Uh, yeah, Dwight Howard's contract was laundered for the Grizzlies. You know, <laughs> they they made it. They made a profit. I think taking him from the Wizards, sending him to the Lakers. Avery Bradley did come out. Uh, he he got to bolster his 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 stats on on a tank. I think like final twenty games of one season. Uh, yeah, no, they're obviously. The the Powell connection and then Harrison trying to connect the dots with a with a few more uh, shared shared contracts. Like most of these guys didn't even play for the uh, actual suit up for the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, yeah, that's very fair as well. That that most of these guys weren't actually even playing. But uh, Lakers fans appreciate everything the Grizzlies have oh, contributed sure. to uh, to multiple titles uh, right. for, for the Lakers. Uh, but. I mean, you got you started to get some revenge last year because you sure beat the hell out of the Lakers uh, multiple times, and uh, I think we won the first game of the season last year, yeah. and then y'all just beat the hell out of us three straight times, ending in the the game that we were kind of joking about before we went on. January 9th uh, is when you guys. I mean, the score is a lot closer than the game was, one twenty seven, one nineteen. That was one of the patented fake Laker comebacks um, <laughs> that they became just terrific at last season, and that had every that had the ridiculous job Morant block in there. It had Desmond Bain and LeBron trash talking to the point that Halsey was tweeting about Desmond Bain afterwards. Uh, how much joy was that to uh, to just beat the brakes off of the Lakers during a, a pretty bad stretch for them as well? It, it, it was a lot of fun, obviously. I mean, the John Morant block is one of the best blocks ever. I mean, it's oh yeah, from someone that small to be that far off the ground, it's just so bizarre. Like I was watching it a couple of days ago, and and just like I kept watching it over and over. over. It doesn't look real. Like something no. about the way he contains the ball, like how he comes down with it. It doesn't look. It doesn't. It looks digitally digitally altered. Um. The blowout was so fun, and to come on the heels of where I was cracking up, um, and especially with like Harrison, like like and and the the silver screen and roll, like the the posts after every Grizzlies win, were like <laughs> like they were like, how do we lose to this team that's starting guys like Desmond Bain? And it's like, what do you have you watched the league this year? Like 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 first of all, the Grizzlies have a better record than you, which yeah. 
a lot of times implies they're a better team. Uh, and then it was like, yeah, we beat you because that's means awesome. And, uh, and they're like, oh, this team was missing John Morant. You know, like, yeah, that's tough. Did you see who you guys were starting? Like, <laughs> like did, you, did you check out who was starting alongside LeBron James? And so the Grizzlies had won a couple of times where I was like, I was having a lot of fun on social media, just being like, look how mad this Lakers blog is. Like, uh, but then that game where it was just like, it was, I mean, the Grizzlies were clowning the Lakers yeah. and LeBron got mad. And it was like LeBron, like LeBron trash talk is trash talks everyone. And it's like, yeah. it's easy to find clips of him, like uh, dancing in front of the other team's bench and looking at the other team's bench. And like the Grizzlies were beating the brakes off of him. And it's like, now LeBron has a lot of views on decorum <laughs> and etiquette and like how the big Lakers fans were weighing in. Like, act like you've been there. It's like, well, they're high-fiving. Like what? They're yeah. having fun. Um, so no, that 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 was a lot of fun. It would have been more fun if whatever it was, the Lakers didn't outscore them by twenty in the fourth quarter to cut it to six or or, or something. But no, that 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 was a blast. Um, it was funny where like Kyle Anderson had a moment. So Kyle Anderson being one of the veterans on the team last year, I feel like like you know there's that time where like Bain and LeBron were were kind of yelling at each other, and it seemed like Kyle Anderson just kind of shrugged his hands like. Hey, these guys are crazy. Like these these kids, <laughs> like these kids are wild, man. Like, like, like I felt like that's what he was doing. Like, I can't tell them to do anything. Like, they're all 21, 22, and this is how they play basketball. Like, they 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 just have fun. But I think Bain's quote to LeBron was like, those footsteps aren't scaring anybody yep. or something. I don't think he threw it an old man on there. I, in my head, I wanted to say old man. I don't think <laughs> he, he said not. old man. It, yeah, it was literally said, them those footsteps, footsteps ain't scaring nobody. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. Uh, and also it was Zaire. There also was the, was the, and I understood this element. All right. Um, like, I don't like, do you have kids? I have kids. No. Okay. So I have kids. Uh, you know, they're my, my, my oldest is a, a seven. Um, I assume at some point he's going to beat me in a sport, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. <laughs> um, but let's say, let's say my son uh, and his buddies, like we're playing whatever. And yeah, again, they're, they're all seven, but what if they're 17? What if they're 18? What if they suddenly start beating me? So, LeBron's son played high school basketball with Zaire Williams. Mm -hmm. So like LeBron James knew Zaire Williams. The moment where I believe this is correct. The moment where Bain and, and LeBron like got into their face and started pushing was after an alley-oop to Zaire Williams and <laughs> Zaire Williams went nuts. So LeBron James is like, this is a friend of my son. <laughs> this is what this is one of the kids who played at my house or something like this is this is a, this is a, this guy should not be clowning on me. I'm maybe the greatest NBA player ever. So I think there was some element of like, this is one of my son's kids and he's running me out of the gym. And that might have been the moment it snapped. And I think that is very understandable. I, that's very relatable. Like, <laughs> no, no, no man should live long enough. Uh, or should play basketball long enough where his son's friends are clowning him on his home court. See, LeBron's been so focused on playing with Bronny that maybe he didn't think of that aspect of what he's <laughs> going to have to endure yeah, yeah. Is, all, is all those teammates of his that are going to come up and, and dunk on him in, in Staples Center. Th those alley-oops were probably a lot more fun in the backyard of right. of his house between Bronny and him and not not quite as fun as Staples Center when, <laughs> when Ja or Desmond or whoever it was were throwing the alley oop to him. So, uh, yeah, that game specifically felt. I mean, there were a lot of like breaking points for the Lakers last season, and and to your point of like 
we had so many articles where it was just like, how are they, how did they have another inexplicable loss? And it's like, <laughs> well, I guess at some point they're probably pretty, you, they're, they're explicable at some point. Like, at that point, it's January 9th. And I think you were 500 or something, you know, it's uh, like, yeah. it's like, you guys were, yeah, at that point, you guys were not good. So, but I, Hey, you guys got revenge. Okay. You guys, the Lakers got revenge on the Grizzlies. By taking away our draft pick and giving it to the Pelicans, you got the you got the ultimate revenge. We're not laughing anymore. I would take everything back. I would let you win all those games. I wish the Lakers had swept the Grizzlies last year. You got ultimate revenge. The whole this whole season, I went to the entire. I have I have a, a tweet thread of of me just laughing at the Lakers starting on opening night when you guys got humiliated, and I'm like, this is awesome. This is going to be the most fun season ever. Of every Lakers loss helps my team. Because we have yeah. that top 10 protected draft pick coming our way. There's no chance. There's no chance they'll finish worse than the tanking Spurs. There's no chance they will keep falling down. And then near the end of the season, it's like, oh, my God, the Lakers, they're not going to get there. They're not going to do it. And it was like yeah. the most distraught, de depressing thing. And like, yeah, so no, you guys got the ultimate revenge on me enjoying it on Desmond Bain on all the Grizzlies young guys that, uh, in fact, we thought we were getting another, like, foundational piece. Like, we thought we were getting the 12th pick or something uh, to come and add to this young squad, and we got nothing. We got Vince Williams Jr. because that pick became the Cavaliers' second rounder. Uh, nightmare scenario. Pelicans got Dyson Daniels. Grizzlies got Jack Squat. Um, Lakers, yeah, you guys won that one can tell you that is a solace to zero Lakers fans because it's still <laughs> it still went to the Pelicans who which honestly is probably worse I think all Lakers fans would have rather it have went to the Grizzlies in that scenario oh, okay. uh, I do specifically remember there was a point I think it was even after this game uh where uh I was talking to Harrison and ended up writing an article it was February 1st I just looked it up uh because even even at that point, as you said, the Lakers were 21 and 20 after that game. And it still felt like, yeah, well, get everyone healthy and it'll be eventually be fine. And I wrote that article on February 1st where it was like, oh, this is going to be bad. The Lakers have a really tough schedule. <laughs> they they haven't been good when they've been healthy and it's going to get worse. And Harrison read the article as he was editing it and said, Oh God, this is going to be bad. Like I remember his message uh, to me during that, and yeah, no, it got really bad from from that point on. So uh, it was a there were a lot of losses. Like I was saying, that uh, just felt like how does this happen? Especially as you got toward the end of the season, where they're calling games must win games, and uh, I specifically remember the Pelicans game they had where they were up. They were up huge in New Orleans. Yes. They, had, they had called it a must-win game. Everyone yeah. was talking about it being must-win, and then they lose. And it's like, okay, well, great work, guys. So let's just pack up and go home. And I think that might have been the final game LeBron played of the season. So he literally packed up and went home after that. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting, though, kind of back to the point. The Lakers and Grizzlies aren't <clears throat> necessarily rivals, but they both are in this new rivalry week. Uh, that the NBA is having this season. Uh, Grizzlies are going to be playing the Warriors. Uh, that's a fun little rivalry. What, what's the uh, what's the thought over there on this new Grizzlies-Warriors budding rivalry? 
Uh, I mean, I think as Grizzlies fans, we like it, and the Warriors have constantly said it, it's not a rivalry. Steve Kerr, I feel like, was asked a lot last season about before each game. Like, it's not really a rivalry, but they can say that, and clearly they're on top. They have titles. You know, they're they're a dynasty. They're, they're awesome. But the fact that they keep mentioning the Grizzlies mm-hmm. means like, all right, there's something. Um the Grizzlies blew out the Warriors in the playoffs. They, they had the famous, uh, they, they did a big whoop that trick celebration where Draymond tried to own it and get involved. And, um, and it's so like, there was a special moment there. Uh, the Grizzlies once again, uh, similar to 2015 where the Warriors won the title, but afterwards it was kind of like the Grizzlies gave them the best challenge. Like the Grizzlies were the toughest team. And in 2015, Mike Conley had a broken face, missed one of the games. Tony Allen pulled his hamstring and missed a couple of the games. So like Grizzlies fans always point to 2015 and be like, we weren't close to being healthy. And and, and we we took two games off the Warriors. And then this year, John Morant gets hurt. Dylan Brooks gets suspended. Uh, Steven Adams had COVID and, and like missed a few games. So like, once again, we're like, you know, not only did we lose in six, but in four of the losses, we had a lead in the fourth quarter. In two mm-hmm. of them, we had a lead in the final two minutes, and we weren't even close to being healthy. So there's all these what-ifs from Grizzlies fans. Um, and so because of that, and then because of, like, we've had success against them in the regular season, their entire run, their entire, mm-hmm. like, you're winning 70 games, but we still normally take one off you in the regular season. Um we eliminated the Grizzlies. Eliminated them in the play-in game uh, a couple seasons ago, which oh, yeah. al- was, which also uh, helps this pristine. Like, hey, uh, our playoff our playoff series record when we have Steph and Draymond <laughs> is excellent, and it's like, yeah, because we knocked you out in the play-in, so yeah. you, so you didn't have the chance to lose that one uh, in the first round. So, like, there is definitely a, a budding rivalry. They understand. I think I, I'm putting myself in the heads of the Warriors players. They understand the Grizzlies are one of the teams that has next that like, you know, we're not going to be around forever. Also, the Grizzlies, much like the Grizzlies have assisted the Lakers in winning several titles. um, The Grizzlies assisted the Warriors by taking that Andre Iguodala salary. They got compensated for it. But like if the Grizzlies hadn't taken that Andre Iguodala salary, that was the money they used to re-sign Kevon Looney. Kavon Looney, who ended up murdering the Grizzlies uh, in games five and six uh, to help the Warriors, you know, eventually win a title. So like then and then also there's that there's that Iguodala. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it story on the Grizzlies where he got mad and he refused to play for the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies maybe miscommunicated to him what their intentions were. And so there's just a lot of stuff baked into it. So I think them. Like the Warriors Grizzlies play on Christmas Day, which is gonna be cool. The Grizzlies first ever Christmas Day game, and then they play again on Rivalry Week. Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, yeah, the Grizzlies Warriors thing, I definitely think has a has legs. We'll definitely get a few more years out of it. I, I would assume. Listen, if a team is saying repeatedly that it's not a rivalry, then it probably is a rivalry. <laughs> uh, and especially if after you win a title, you immediately reference a tweet about that was this big. other team that was big, yeah 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 that 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 there's no denying it at that point if clay thompson is thinking about a wasn't it a jaron jackson jr tweet like weeks and weeks later yeah it's a rivalry like you it, you can't deny it anymore so uh i hope they don't try to deny it anymore just embrace it it becomes a lot more fun that way yeah uh and it, it should be a lot of fun it reminds me kind of in some ways for the lakers back in 2010 2011 that time frame when 
they beat the Thunder in the the playoffs, but everybody knew like this Thunder team is coming and and they're going to have next. And eventually they got the better of them in the playoffs a year or two later. So uh, yeah, this one, this is a lot of fun. I enjoy watching the Grizzlies and uh, I'm sure a lot of Lakers fans will be rooting for them against the Warriors. Uh, Grizzlies are also, I think you play the Timberwolves during this rivalry week as well. The Lakers are, they face Boston. I think they also face the Clippers, which uh, ask a Lakers fan if the Clippers are rivals, and you'll get some uh, interesting right. answers. Yeah, yeah. But- well, that's that's like the Knicks Nets ones too. Where it's like this is yeah. not an actual. That's funny. So, like, you know, the Grizzlies have this history against the Clippers, the playoff history against the Lob City. Clippers. Oh yeah. And I was so adamant as a Grizzlies fans. I was I was adamant telling people like never, ever chant beat L.A to the Clippers. Like that, I, I hate it like, when people do like it that's, to the Clippers. That's what I'm saying. That's a win for the Clippers. You yeah. think, no, beat LA is the Lakers. Saying yeah. beat LA to the Clippers is like, that makes them feel good. That is a yeah. compliment to the Clippers. I'm like, you cannot do that. Like, we are, no, 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 no. They don't get beat LA. They are not the Lakers. They are not important. We have to, like, like that. keep that in mind. Yeah, so that, that's tipped everybody. If you're mad at the Clippers, you want to hurt the Clippers, you don't say beat LA. That's 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 raising them to a level they don't deserve. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you you just endeared yourself to everybody that you you made <laughs> angry earlier okay, in the, okay. in the okay. podcast. Uh, so yeah, it's it's in it. I mean, what are your thoughts on this rivalry? The the funniest one I think to me by far is Lonzo versus Lamelo because that is relying a lot on Lonzo being healthy, which has not been the case uh, for most of his career, in fact. And uh, those two don't even really see it as a rivalry either. So it's just funny to, to put that one on there. What do you think about this new rivalry rivalry week in general, though? I mean, I, I like it just fine. It's designed to obviously just boost ratings, bring in eyeballs, give us content creators something to talk about yeah it does feel like they need a, a fallback story for for bulls hornets <laughs> you know like they need to come up with another uh another sort of angle just in case i mean i i like it like the grizzlies timberwolves thing we're not rivals but if, if you can put john moran and anthony edwards against each other on national tv coming off last year's playoffs yeah you should do that like that like like good job um NBA focusing on two of the most charismatic and exciting young basketball players. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, putting Jokic and Embiid against each other, I think that's great. That's cool because we've had these debates and these arguments for, for years. Um, I look forward to Embiid posting better stats and, and losing again. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, generally, I, I'm fine with it. It's clearly a marketing thing, but like, uh, I think if you can direct eyeballs onto, I mean, I wish there was more focusing on younger stars. Like I know, I guess they did mm-hmm. the, the, the New York rivalries and the Los Angeles rivalries, but like anything you're doing to boost, like any of these really exciting and dynamic, the young superstars who are growing and are going to be the future. I like that. Not to fall back into my uh, making Lakers fans mad at me. Like, we don't need to see the Lakers 20 times um, or, 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 or whatever it is. I recognize West Coast. All right, there's fewer West Coast teams, so put them on late. But, like, give me some Cade Cunningham. Let's figure out some rivalries with the Pistons. Let's figure out some rivalries with some of these other teams that aren't on TV all, all the time. And, uh, and so I, I guess I do overall generally like the element of this rivalry week that they're pitching us. Yeah, I was oh, okay. I, I was looking. I was surprised Luca wasn't on here, but I, Luca versus the yeah, Suns. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> I, I I don't know how much that's a rivalry, especially with how uh, how it ended. Uh, right. But but we'll see on that one. But yeah, I was gonna say Luca needs to be on here. And my, my uh, joke for that is they need to get Scott Foster to ref Chris Paul for that one. So if it's oh, if it's Luca versus Chris Paul versus Scott Foster, now that is rivalry week stuff. We can um, we, we we can advertise. Uh, the sun. Okay, yeah, that's the only time the Suns are on the rivalry week. Scott Foster has to be calling Got that to. game. NBA needs to just lean Embrace into it. Embrace it, NBA. Yeah, lean into it at this point um, because that that is the biggest rivalry on this rivalry week is Scott yeah. Foster versus, yeah. versus Chris Paul. Uh, just the last thing, I guess, Grizzlies in general, I guess what's the outlook on the season after took the huge step forward now last year? I guess what's – is it jumping into title contention now? I mean, I, I would I would definitely argue yes. I mean, we're there. I think we were in title contention last year. I mean, finished with the second best record in the NBA. Um, like I said, blew three out of the four losses to the Warriors uh, <laughs> in, in a four-two series loss. Um, yeah, I think that they maintained their starting lineup. They maintained their core, like their best kind of six players. There's a strong argument that they're they're taking a step back depth-wise by losing Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. There's a bunch of lineup data I played with where like you can paint a very rosy picture. Like basically last year they were, I think they were plus 14 points per hundred possessions when any of their current top eight were on the court, like any five man lineup made up of the starters, plus either Tyus Jones, Zyra Williams or Brandon Clark. They were actually plus 20 points per hundred possessions in the playoffs with those guys. So like the top of their core is, is really, really good. Of course, the caveat is uh, when Jaron Jackson Jr. Comes back, uh, Jaron's out. With a, he had surgery for a stress fracture uh, in his foot, and he's supposed to be back maybe early in this season. But they gave a four to six month timetable, and that six month, if he's out that long, it, that could stretch like through Christmas. And then, all right, then you're missing maybe thirty five games or something, mm-hmm. which would not be great. But I do think they have, they have enough depth to not get overwhelmed. The first half of the schedule isn't that hard, so I think. Like, it's no longer, hey, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to do this? I think they're, cl- they're clearly making the playoffs. If John Morant gets better, if Desmond Bain gets better, uh, like, look out type thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ja, I think he finished seventh in the MVP last year. He he would have finished fifth if he hadn't gotten hurt as many times a- a- as he had. Um, I-, I think they're definitely in title contention. I think the pieces they have, like, while a lot of people are, again, saying, like, they got a little bit worse. Yeah, but like if any of the young guys get better, if Zaire Williams is better at all, if his minutes are better at all, and they already, you know, played very, very well with him playing a lot of minutes. So like I think this team absolutely I mean, there's like a it's pretty flat, I feel like at the top of the NBA. I mean, obviously the Warriors, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Suns, um, you know, the Nuggets and Clippers are getting back in it. And I think, you know, like the Heat and the Grizzlies and the, like they're in that mix. They're, they're, there's a whole yeah. mix. This, I don't trust the Celtics. The Celtics seem incredible, um, but like they're in that mix. They're one of these like eight teams where you're like, your goal is definitely conference finals. If you fall short of that, you'll probably be a little bit disappointed, but um, yeah, I, I think the future is very, very bright and, and it should be a really good year again for the Grizzlies. I meant to mention this earlier uh, when you mentioned Kyle Anderson. He is a player that makes absolutely no sense watching yeah. him play. It it feels like he's like it, it's a uh, you're playing online on 2K and he's just lagging and it, it's just yeah. working because at no I there was a game a couple seasons ago uh, might have been the COVID season. It was either against the Pelicans or Hornets. I remember covering it where 
it was like the same corner three that he hit like four or five times in a row. Uh, and his shot just looks like the slowest thing possible. Yeah. And there was one point where uh, I think it was a Pelicans because I think Lonzo basically swung too fast trying to block <laughs> his shot and, yeah. and fouled him because yeah. he wasn't ready for his shot to go that slow. So I honestly think it's something that works in his advantage. Well, so you, I don't know if you remember this. I feel like the refs kind of gave up on it, but they changed the rules last year where supposedly if you altered your shot to try to draw contact, you don't oh, get yeah. fouled. You don't get free throws for it. It was supposed to be like, you, if you pump fake, cool, you should be able to go up. But if you pump fake, you're not supposed to be able to like bend sideways and shoot your weird shot. Well, last year, Kyle Anderson would get fouled on these three pointers and they wouldn't call it. And I was like, I feel like he's getting punished because they were like, yeah, you changed your shot. It got all, it was all weird. Like, no, no, that's his shot, man. Like that was his shot. He got fouled. Yeah. And they were like, it looked like you were trying to do some extra emotion to get in contact. <laughs> like, no, that's, that's, that's the way his weird shot looks. I mean, two years ago, it was wild because he actually made his threes. Yeah. Um, he has some kind of chronic shoulder condition. It seems like we're like, he got really good a couple years ago and basically unprompted last year before the season. He was like, yeah, it's shoulders not going great or something like that. It's like, I got, it's like, I got to work on it every day. And his free throw percentage was down last year. And his three point percentage was down last year. And he added like a new hitch. It was already slow, oh but he had like a second pump. Yeah, it definitely, I haven't played 2k in a long time, but it looks like back of the day when I was playing NBA live, when like, if you just held the button too long, and, and, yes. and it added an extra little pump and then you released it. And like, no, yeah, his, his game doesn't make sense. I mean, I do, by the way, I think he's awesome. Like I'm a huge oh, yeah. proponent of like, he makes your team better. He's also one of those guys where fans get mad at him because when he makes a mistake, it's like a loud or when he misses a shot, it's normally horrifying looking like <laughs> he takes three seconds to shoot a corner three. And then sometimes it hits the side of the backboard or like he gets caught in no man land and like, you know, he'll make the, the strangest looking eight foot floaters you've ever seen. But when he misses them, everyone's like, this guy's garbage. This guy has no game. You're like, no, he's good. He's a good defender. He gets so many steals. One of the wild stats is um, he contributed positively to the Grizzlies pace last season. When he was on the court, they had their best <laughs> pace because he gets rebounds, he gets steals and he, and he pushes the ball yeah. ahead. So like they actually had a better pace when slow-mo was on the court last year. Yeah, it's just everything about him, just because his shot is impossibly slow, you just assume everything about him <laughs> right, is slow. Right. Well, uh, he, I mean, he is slow. There's no, well, there's no yeah. question. He's just he's just moving at his own speed. Uh, Methodical. Just, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he was uh, – oh, he's such a wild player to, to, to watch, but I had to mention that because I forgot to earlier. Well, Keith, thanks a ton for coming on today. Let everybody know where they can uh, find your work at. Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Uh, listen to Fast Break Breakfast. It's about the entire NBA, sort of a basketball comedy podcast. And then uh, if you're a Grizzlies fan or if you want the all the data, the hardcore analysis, if you want to know your opponents, know your enemy, uh, listen to Grits and Grinds. I appreciate it. Fast Break Breakfast is one of my favorite podcasts. So everybody go uh, give them a listen. Subscribe over there. They're a ton of fun. We will be back next week. Who knows at this point if we'll ever have a Kyrie Irving update. Uh, eventually that'll come, I think, but, uh, until then, make sure you guys are listening to the silver skin and roll podcast network to stay up to date on everything. And we'll be back next week.